Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock All right, Hammer. Time to tap that keg. Woo! Get the wings out. Let's go. Put some seasoning on those puppies. Shove them on the grill because it's here. It's midterm day. Let's do some midterm stuff. Polling. Debates. Fetterman. Eagles. Eagles. <laughs> are so much better than Eagles. Midterm stuff. Big Nige now until midnight tonight. We have got coverage for you. Local races, national races, and nobody does it better than 93 WIBC. Our newsroom is going to be involved. Abdul's going to be involved. And, of course, we are driving this boat until 7 o'clock. We got some seats on the line today. Now, you voted early. You went to Zionsville the other night. Yeah. I voted this morning. Now, it was early. It was around 7 o'clock. So I got the kids up to get in the shower, you know, so they could go to school. And while they were doing that, I went out and voted. Wait, did the boy vote? He did. Your 18-year-old vote. Yes. Oh, wow. Got in, got out, first timer. He was excited. Right on. Man, there was no line. Now, I went super early, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I got right in. Boom goes the dynamite. I was out in 10 minutes. Yeah, it took me... It didn't. There was no line for me when I early voted last Thursday. I was I was listening to Tony's show earlier. He said he probably had to wait maybe twenty or thirty minutes. We'll ask him later when Tony comes on the show at about five thirty for Tuesdays with Tony. I put out um, on social media how was your voting experience, and for the most part, everybody was pretty much in and out. Uh, our pal Missy said I just voted in Cicero, no line, see, walked right in, got right out. He, was I expecting too much? Like, okay, I'm thinking back to 2016 the, for the presidential election. Um, and I, I waited probably an hour up there at the White... I'm sorry, at the town hall upstairs. They had an upstairs area. That, I mean, I waited for a pretty long time. That was a presidential election. Right. It, it was I... Just because I know of all the chaos and excitement throughout the country of some of these high-profile races, was I expecting too much in terms of how people are are deciding to get out and vote here in Indiana because there's not a lot of high-profile races going on. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about the Secretary of State. I know we've talked about Marion County Prosecutor. But is, I mean, this state is really on nobody's radar in terms of, you know, like Georgia, Pennsylvania. It's not a swing state. Right. Correct. Right. So maybe my expectations were... Um, a little higher than they needed to be in terms of like how many people, how, how long I was going to have to wait. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, Michael uh, tweets at us at Hammer and Nigel, two hour wait in Brownsburg. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. So if you're in Brownsburg, okay. uh, let us know if that's the case or not. That was a tweet to us about 30 minutes ago. Randy, about 20 minute wait Randy. in Avon. Mark, uh, far southeast side, good turnout. Line moved well, no problems. And again, Statewide, it's kind of expected that Todd Young is going to maintain his Senate seat. 
Uh, Jim Banks is going to crush, I mean, absolutely embarrass and humiliate that Gary Snyder troll. That's going to be one of the biggest blowouts in the country. <laughs> He's going to keep his house seat. Andre Carson expected to also cruise in keeping his house seat. But in northern Indiana... In terms of sending someone to Washington, D.C., Jennifer Ruth Green yeah. has got a great chance of pulling the upset against Frank Mervan, and this has been a nasty one. And it's been ugly because uh, her opponent had some private medical records that he had released, quote-unquote, leaked illegally from her time in the military. That was the story from Politico that Adam Wren published also some private stuff that she begged not to have out there in terms of her medical records. And that has one. That is one race that's been getting a little bit of national attention right there because and it'll be the first time a you know an african-american um republican woman will be in the house of representatives if she wins if she wins she'll be the only one the only one um meanwhile here in indianapolis in marion county i think all eyes are on the prosecutor race it's going to come down to whether or not you think what's happening in indianapolis right now is okay if you think it's okay then vote for the incumbent, Ryan Mears. But if you think three straight years of over 200 homicides is unacceptable, which coincidentally all goes into the timeline of Ryan Mears' time in office, then vote for Cindy Carrasco. We had Cindy on our program yesterday, and I thought it was, it was really interesting, Nigel. We asked her, what's been the response when you go to the black communities, the communities in Indianapolis that are usually pretty Democrat. What's been the feedback you've received? And ultimately, it came back as crime isn't political. Voters in Indianapolis, people that live in these high crime areas, they don't care if you have an R or a D next to your name. They don't want the same criminals getting back out on the streets. So I do think Cindy has a puncher's chance tonight. The odds are stacked against her. She needs amazing voter turnout. We'll have coverage all night long. Well, I think she's had some help from the FOP getting that endorsement from the police officers union. Um, that was big. That was that was huge. Um, and you've talked to certain Democrat business owners around the city that said, yeah, they're scratching for for Cindy. Right. Their Democrat voters don't get it twisted, but they're making the exception in the prosecutor's case. And I think you're going to see quite a bit of that. Is it going to be enough? That's going to be the question. But remember this, if you're on the fence still, and you still have less than three hours to go vote, if you're on the fence about what to do, remember when we had Jeff Blackwell in our studio. Mm. He is the father of one of the young ladies, Samaria, that lost her life in the FedEx massacre. Something that Ryan Mears completely dropped the ball on. He ignored the red flag case. He just sat on his desk and he did nothing. And this massacre took place. And then afterwards, the way that he treated these families with the cold shoulder, I want you to remember that if you have not voted yet. I had the president acknowledge it and come to us. We had the governor, everybody on through, but one person hasn't basically acknowledged this. 
he was supposed to have a sit down with all the families at once. The prosecutor, the that current is prosecutor. Correct. That has never happened. Do you feel like the prosecutor brushed you off? Uh, I don't think there's much of an open door policy there. This story that was national news, this FedEx shooting, everybody, it seemed like from the state of Indiana and even national levels, had reached out to family members, offered condolences, went out of their way to show some level of support of some kind except for the guy that's currently the prosecutor in Marion County. Do I have this accurate? You have that accurate, and it's even more important. The one guy that didn't reach out was the only guy in all those other people that had any chance in any way to affect the outcome that that would have never happened. Think about that for a moment. So, again, if you have not voted, please consider that as you make your way to the poll. Now, let's turn our attention nationally here, Nige. What's the one race that you are fascinated with? I, I can tell you the one race that nobody's paying attention to that I really keep an eye on is over in Oregon. Uh, that's got my eyebrow raised a little bit. There hasn't been a, a, a Republican mayor there for decades, four, 40 years probably, and it's a nail-biter. It's neck and neck between the Democrat, uh, I think it's Tina Kotek, who was the uh, Oregon House Speaker, and um, then she's challenged by a Republican minority in the House, Christine Drazen. And then there's another lady, an unaffiliated candidate that could throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. Her name's Betsy Johnson. I mean, if something happens in Oregon, that's why Joe Biden was there earlier this week, because the race is essentially tied between the Democrat and the Republican. So... You see some of the things happening nationwide right now. You've got the founder of Nike, Phil Knight, in Oregon, stumping for a Republican. You've got Katy Perry posting on social media. She's voting for a Republican. It's in a local race in Los Angeles. Well, it's the mayor's race, and it's... That guy Caruso has been flip-flopping back and forth for years, Republican and Democrat. But yeah, it's very surprising. The Netflix CEO just announced his support for that guy Caruso that you're talking about in L.A. for sure. Yeah. Now, I think the Senate's going to come down to four states. You're talking about Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona. And earlier today, in the key battleground state of Arizona, in Maricopa County, the biggest county, probably the biggest swing county in that swing state they already had problems there were reports that the voting machines they were down they were not working at 20 percent of the polling locations some of the ballots were not being read by the machine um this is the press conference that some of the election officials had in Arizona. When everything is completed, then these ballots will be taken out securely and delivered by a bipartisan team, so Republican and Democrat, down to here at the Central Tabulation Center, where they will be tabulated. And while this is obviously not how the system was designed, this is a fail-safe that functions the exact same way as early voting, which you know we have been going through for the past 26 days. So basically, at 20% of the polling (laughs) locations in the key county in Arizona, they're going to treat it as if it's a mail-in ballot. And oh, by the way, guess who's in charge of election security in the state of Arizona? Hmm. That would be Katie Hobbs, who's also running to be the governor of Arizona. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd, one by one. We are going to read Boo's News, because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Boo's News, Boo's News, Boo's News. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've heard of this happening before. Someone called this pulling a Robert Downey Jr. Uh-oh. Uh, in Arkansas this week, the CFO of Tyson Foods, younger dude named John Tyson, arrested for intoxication and falling asleep in the wrong house. Oh, didn't, didn't Robert Downey Jr. do that during his druggy days? He did that. Like a kid's bedroom, I think. There was like an ESPN personality that did that too. Like somewhere in the yeah. woods and he got naked and passed out on somebody's couch. Yeah, the radio guy, uh, Rosillo. Yeah, that, Ryan Rosillo. So this guy, the CFO of Tyson Foods, found passed out in a college uh, woman's dorm. She came home, called the police. Now, this guy's the son of the company's chairman, John Tyson, and he's the great-grandson of the founder, John W. Tyson. So there's quite the lineage there. I mean, Tyson Foods is a gigantic, uh, multi-billion-dollar I don't know, billion dollar company, for all I know. I've got trillion. their chicken nuggets in my yeah, fridge at too. home right now. I do, too. So now there was no comment made, but we did found we, – we find – this audio here. We found this audio of John's dad talking about the company's values on YouTube. When I think about some of the cornerstones of Tyson Foods is our core values. Dad. We strive to be the best person in our community. Sorry. It gives our folks permission <laughs> to stay within those boundaries and yet still have judgment. Values, and values. Core values are really a set of values <laughs> that then give you flexibility to be yourself, to make your own set of decisions to help this great so company. I you strive every day to try to do the right All thing. All them houses look alike. It goes back to my granddad. I was just sleeping. And it's reflected today in today's company and leadership. I thought it was my house. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of time. I think I told you uh, my buddy had recently moved um, to the complete opposite side of town. And then, you know, after a night of drinking, he took a cab home to the place that he moved out of. And was pounding on the door. Let me in. It's three o'clock in the morning. The neighbor walked out and goes, "Hey, you a hole, you moved." <laughs> my buddy just kind of turned around and goes, "Oh yeah, that's the right." The neighbor had to remind him <laughs> that he moved. Because wow. trust me, it would have been the exact same situation if he could have gotten in the house. I mean, I guess if there's a silver lining for John Tyson here. Thank God it wasn't the gun guy's house. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, we've got some more booze news. And James, I need some mood music. <laughs> Dateline, Knoxville, Tennessee. As if watching that Tennessee-Georgia game wasn't painful enough for me, now they may be cutting off beer sales at the University of Tennessee football games. Oh, wow. Knoxville City Council recommending suspending the beer license for the vendor of Neyland Stadium, one of the largest Whoa. stadiums in America. Wow. The uh, complaint came after Aramark received three citations for selling booze to underage minor informants. Okay. So. Minor informants is the key word here. So they got little rat trolls <laughs> running around, but their job is to buy beer. Like I told Chris, this is your job. Go get that job. You're a Tennessee fan. You're into government. You'll probably drink beer. This is a perfect gig for you, kid. Do you want him to be a rat, though? <laughs> no. Um, documents show that three Aramark employees were cited for serving alcohol to underage kids at the games against Florida, Alabama, and Akron. Yeah, I... I, I 
I compare that. Like, I don't know if this really ever happened or not, but you know, the public, you know, the health department here in the city, when COVID was going down, they'd send their little, they'd send their little guys in their khakis <laughs> and their clipboards, and they would go check off how many people were and were not wearing masks. And if the bartender told them to wear a mask, and then you know they'd get cited. Uh, but that that kind of reminds me of this type of thing here. Except, I mean, this was so the entire stadium. You wouldn't be able to get a beer in the entire stadium for a, a place that holds 100,000 people. Right. And last time I checked, <laughs> SEC fans like to drink. Wow. you got to be careful, man. So we'll see what happens. I have a funny feeling that uh, money is going to talk and everything sure. else is going to walk here. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think that's going to go down. All right. When we come back, that press conference last night. Jim Ursay, Jeff Saturday, a disgruntled Chris Ballard. We've got the audio highlights. If you missed it, it's the Hammer and Nigel show. All right, listen up. And now, let's go live to a press conference with Colt Jim Ursay. Uh, moving forward um, with, uh, um, uh, again, um, um, look at um, uh, this has been a press conference with Colt Jim Ursay. So not cool. Hammer and Nigel. Was that? Wait, was that from last night? <laughs> they all sound the same, Nigel. Yeah, I was gonna say they all sound the same. Now, Hammer, you watched the press conference last night. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I've read all about it. It sounded kind of, um, I don't know, maybe awkward. Is a good word to throw in there with, uh, you know, it was the owner, Jim Ursay, the GM, Ballard, and Sa- Jeff Saturday, the new head coach on the dais, right? I kind of felt bad for Jeff Saturday up there because it looked like he was having to sit through mommy and daddy fighting because you had Jim Ursay, who was being very defensive about a lot of things last night, and then Chris Ballard sitting at that press conference looks like a kid who just got a big lump of coal for Christmas. He had his arms crossed. He was kind of surly. You could tell Chris Ballard did not sign off on any of this and did not want to be there last night. Wow. So this is uh, Jim Ursay on... Why he went with Jeff Saturday as compared to other coaches that are currently on the staff. He's the best man for the job, you know, um, uh, and uh, there's no question about it, you know, um, in my mind, you know, uh, um, and I've been around it a long time. You know, last coach I, I hired as an interim head coach was Bruce Arians. It, it was the right coach, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, he was the best guy. That's why. I mean, there's there's no other mystery behind that. And the look on the face of Chris Ballard just looked like someone gave him the most sour, sweet tart in the world, and he's just sitting there with his arms crossed. Yeah, the thing was with that Bruce Arians, look, I hired a coach, an interim coach, Bruce Arians, he had experience. He did. Um, Like, I'm almost thinking, like, if I were, I'm just projecting at this point, but if you're Jeff Saturday, are you kind of like, like I wonder if he said yes right away, or is like, man, that's I don't know. I you know just out of respect for the job of the head coach of a of a major franchise, the NFL. Well, and, Jim Irsay did uh, mention last uh, night that if Jeff Saturday would have said no, Frank Reich was still going to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Sounds like behind the scenes, Jeff Saturday has been lobbying to become part of this organization for okay. a while. He's been a consultant last couple of years, and I think. Uh, It was Kevin Bowen and Jake Query on the morning show on our sister station, The Fan, that made a good point. 
over this next eight games, because that's what's left for the Colts, Jeff Saturday could just be taking inventory, seeing what players are good, what players are overpriced, because that could be the new general manager. He could be the new Chris Ballard, and they could be hiring a coach at the end of the year. Chris Ballard's basically training Jeff Saturday how to do his job. Correct. (laughs) Which is why he looked a little salty up there last night. And of course, when you have a Jim Mercy press conference, sometimes you get things like this. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. (laughs) But I do know how to build a football team. (laughs) Okay. And sometimes <laughs> you get analytic, Jim Ursay. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right. That means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Hang that banner up right now at Lucas Oil Stadium. <laughs> since quartile. 2000, we're in the upper quartile of the top quartile <laughs> of the top quartiles. I want that banner to be right next to AFC finalists. <laughs> Uh, And again, eventually, we got the Jeff Saturday last night. This is the interim head coach of your Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I'm excited about the opportunity. I hope they are, right? I hope they know how much I care about this organization, about the uh, about this community as a whole. I mean, you know, my, my, my adult life was built here, and uh, I, I don't you know, I don't diminish this opportunity even the slightest, even if it is for, for eight games and everybody wants to run me out of town. Like, I, I believe that I'm called for a reason, and uh, I would not have accepted it without that. So what do you think, Nod? You're a Colts fan. You're the first one to send out a salty a text message on our chain the minute something goes bad. Yeah. What do you think? I think Jeff Saturday is is obviously I, I do wonder if there was hesitation. I wonder if he's kind of embarrassed on on any level. Um just out of respect and deference to the actual position of head coach of the NFL of a major NFL franchise when you've don't have any experience coaching in 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 the NFL or college. Um but I guess Screw everybody else. Right. I, I, screw, you know, screw it. This is an opportunity. It's here. It landed in my lap. And um, yeah, maybe maybe there's better people out there for the job, but it landed in my lap. And damn it, I'm going to take it and try to go with it and try to run with it. So the, ultimately, I think that's where his, his mind is at. I mean, like if somebody asked me, you know what, uh, Nigel? Um, we're going to make you president of the United States just up until the president, this is up until the election of 2024. You're interested in the job? I'd probably be like, Nah. Oh, come on. We <laughs> need you more than Joe Biden right now. That's Hell, good, let's skip Mayor Nige. Let's go to yeah. President Nige. I'm here for that. One of the things I keep hearing, though, man, is like, I can't believe this. This is such a PR stunt. And maybe it is. I'm not going to lie. Maybe this is. But there were coaches that had experience on the staff on Sunday. Did anybody watch that game on Sunday with yeah. all the experienced coaches? They were awful. That was one of the worst Colts performances I've ever seen. So could Jeff Saturday be any worse than all of those experienced coaches this past weekend? I doubt it. Here's a little bit more from the future general manager. I'm going to be your toughest critic, but I'm going to be your greatest cheerleader. And I've I've always done that. I've always believed in that. And that's the way I wanted to be coached. And that's how I'll continue to coach. So that was Jeff Saturday, and now let's turn to Chris Ballard. Again, Ballard didn't want to be there. 
You could just look at his body language and say, that's a dude that's not happy. And he was really defensive last night, too. He had a message for everybody that was saying how bad the offensive line is. I sure did. Defensively, I would tell you we're playing pretty good football. Um, offensively is where we got we to gotta make some hay. Um, we've not played as well up front as we need to play. And I think you all know my – as y'all, y'all have been kicking the shit out of me for years for not drafting wideouts, and all of a sudden I look up and you know we're underperforming on the offensive line right now. So because everybody was critical of Chris Ballard for not drafting any receivers that were any good, he says that when he finally did, he neglected the offensive line. Because I guess we can't walk and chew gum at the same time, <laughs> That's <right>. Chris. <laughs> you couldn't win the worst division in football over what? Five, six, seven-year time frame? Unacceptable. And here's a little bit more from a very salty Chris Ballard. I think you know me well enough, all of you. Like, I'm not – I don't sit here and act like I don't share some of the blame. Damn right I do. I also know that we got eight games left, and I'm not just ready to fire the towel in like everybody else. Oh. Oh, like everybody else. Is talking about the fans? Or was he talking about members within the organization? That I don't know. So that's really sure interesting to me. talking about us irrational, passionate Colts fans. and oh, Just throwing in the towel. Hey, I, I am going to be interested to see what uh, is going to happen uh, this Sunday. What if, you know, everybody else in the uh, AFC South starts losing and the Colts start winning? If they what? pick up one third down, if they convert <laughs> one third down, I think that's progress, right? Oh boy! That's... Score one for the unexperienced guy if they convert one stinking third down. If maybe they score on an opening drive, <laughs> possibly. The, I mean, the bar is pretty low there. So there's another angle of this story. Mike Freeman of the USA Today. This is the headline: Colts hiring Jeff Saturday is a slap in the face of black coaches. Now, in NFL, there's a thing called the Rooney Rule, which means if there's a head coaching opportunity, you have to interview uh, candidates of color. Even this is just interim, though. Well, see, you get it, but Mike Freeman doesn't. Uh, You can't pick somebody's assistant coach off their staff midseason. It doesn't work that way. Eric Bieniemy is not leaving the Kansas City Chiefs right now right. to come here yeah. to run out the string with this awful Colts team. Byron Leftwich is not going to leave Tom Brady right now to come to this blank show. Now, in the offseason, yes, they'll have that interview process. And oh, by the way, of the last four head coaches of the Indianapolis Colts, half of them have been black guys. Mm. Half. So Jim Irsay is a lot of things, right? He's eccentric. He's kind of wacky. He sometimes sounds like Fetterman, but <laughs> I don't think he's a racist. No, 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 of course not. But it will be interesting after the season ends and they do decide to go with Jeff Saturday. And, you know, usually you always talk about, well, they went with the best guy with the job, the guy with the best resume. He doesn't exactly have a resume. No. <laughs> he just, he can't, you're not going to be able to fall back on that one. I think Jeff Saturday is walking around practice right now like the Bob's in office space. What would you say you do here? And he's going to be the guy making those calls in the offseason. Just my thoughts. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. 93 WIPC. You know, I wonder how many people are on their way scrambling to get into the voting booth. There's only, what, two hours left, right? About around two hours left, and they don't know who they're going to vote for. Like the undecideds. 
The like, undecided voter. You got to wonder if there's still people that are walking into that voting booth. Who, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Destiny Wells? Or is it going to be Diego Morales, Morales? I don't know. I can't think. I don't know. Uh, so uh, here we have something for you. The Hammer and Nigel show. We set up the um, uh, uh, hotline to help you undecided voters. You have reached the undecided voter hotline. If you still haven't decided whom you're going to vote for, press 1. No, wait, press 2. Hold it. 1. Definitely press 1. However, pushing 2 might be better. You know what? Drink a cup of coffee and think about it. No, make that tea. Coffee. Tea. Coffee. Tea. Thanks for calling the undecided voter hotline. I am curious if there are undecided voters on the major races. I think there's voters that care. I think there's voters that are, they know they they have to get out there and vote. They want to vote for the right people. Like I was texting my wife back and forth today. She's voting. She, I mean, she's so you know stuck in her job that uh, you know she doesn't really have time to do a lot of research. And I told her here. I, I just told her who I voted for. Here's the school board members I voted for. Here, here's where I voted Libertarian. Here's where I voted Republican. And then she voted the opposite of every single <laughs> one of them. She goes, All right, <laughs> thanks for giving me the giving me a, a playbook to go by. So I mean, she's smart, but she a lot of people just. Just don't know. Just right. don't know who the best candidate is. Since it is election day, I think this would set the mood. Great moments in voting history. Now, yeah. as you know, I'm a South Park guy. I love the show South Park. Uh, the way they bring the story all together at the end, chef's kiss, and nobody talks about elections better than those guys do. Remember when MTV launched that vote or die campaign? It was like Puff Daddy and all these rappers, and the campaign was called Vote or Die. Vote or Die? Vote or Die. They had t-shirts made. Uh, South Park had some fun with it. Puff Daddy? Your friend Kyle told me you don't understand the importance of voting. Apparently you haven't heard of my Vote or Die campaign. (laughs) Vote or Die? What the hell does that even mean? What do you think it means, <laughs> voter die, motherfucker, motherfucker, voter die. Like the voter, else I'm gonna stick a knife through your eye. Democracy is founded on one simple rule: get out there and vote, or I will motherfucking kill you. <laughs> and I have not heard that before in my life. And it was in that same episode where the kids were picking a school oh, wow. mascot, a giant douche, or a turd sandwich. And the message that comes together at the end is, don't you see, every election is between a douche and a turd. And that's when the light bulb popped above my head, and they had this song. Let's get out and vote. Let's make our voices heard. We've been given the right to choose between a douche and a turd. <laughs> Every election is between those options. That's the lesson, and it's absolutely right. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also joining us live in studio, part of our election coverage all day and all night long. Abdul Akeem Shabazz writes for IndiePolitics.org, hosts Abdul at Large Saturdays right here on 93 WIBC. Abdul, 
Um, so what are you um, looking at? What's on your radar right now here? Is today Friday? Supposed <laughs> <laughs> to be in here on Friday. We know yeah. you drink a lot, <laughs> but today is not Friday. Oh, man. Oh, it's a THC day. Gosh darn it. Uh, no, always good, always good to be here, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, no, it's election day. Uh, midterm election, so it's all over but the but the shouting. you got a couple hours of voting left before the polls close in most of Indiana. Uh, but don't forget, Indiana is also in the central time zone, so the northern and southern corners of the state, they'll close at 7 o'clock uh, our time. Uh, obviously, our pension to the U.S. Senate race, uh, the Maryland County Prosecutor, Secretary of State, and the first congressional district are the are the sort of the four kind of marquee races everybody's sort of paying attention to right now. And I want to get into some of those races here in just a moment, but uh, any shenanigans here in Indiana in terms of voter issues this morning? Uh, nothing, nothing more than usual. I mean, obviously, you got you know 4.5 million registered voters in Indiana, hundreds of polling places. You're going to have an issue or two. For example, uh, in St. Joe and Hancock County earlier today, uh, they wouldn't let in the Libertarian poll watchers because they said, "Hey, you didn't, you're not credentialed." They were credentialed. They got in. That places. sounds familiar to you, doesn't it? <laughs> well, at least they spoke to him. <laughs> at, at least they did talk to him. Uh, then also, uh, this morning had a couple of issues with voting machines, but nothing, no, no major broad conspiracy or anything like that. Okay, so let's get into some of these races. Uh, let's start with national type of ramifications. Who's going to go to Washington? Looks like Todd Young feels like it, that's going to be a win for him. Any chances of an upset anywhere else in terms of congressional seats in Indiana? Uh, there's, there's always a chance of an upset, uh, but, the, but the probability and likelihood are two totally different what about the first the first district up by the region? Because that's Mervan. He's the incumbent. But Jennifer Ruth Green, she feels like she's got a lot of momentum. And we were talking off the air. This has been a nasty campaign. Uh, her sexual assault was outed uh, by Politico. And you've got the Congressional Black Caucus supporting the white Democrat <laughs> and not the female black Republican. And <laughs> oh, no, I mean, no, I'm no, just kidding. As the resident black guy in the room, Abdul, <laughs> is this for, normal? Yeah. Is this the kind of thing that normally happens with the I, Congressional I, Black Caucus? I like enough. Yes, it does. Believe it or not. Uh, no, uh, I think I think Frank Ravan will pull off pull off a victory. I think it'll be close. Uh, the last poll I saw, he was like 47, 40. That was uh, later this summer by U.S. term limits. I think he pulls off, but maybe like two or three points, uh, only because his first term and it still it still leans uh, Democratic. Around the nation, it looks like the Senate's going to come down to probably four states, the four key states here, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. What do you think about those states tonight? Uh, I think Democrats keep Arizona. I think Republicans pick up Nevada. And I actually think uh, Democrats win Georgia and Pennsylvania. Because I've been looking at some early voting uh, numbers and some early voting data that's been out there for a while. And it's interesting because the question is, Democrats do well on early voting. Republicans do well on election day. So the question is, do Democrats build enough of a firewall to, to push back the Republican red wave? I think with the number of early votes uh, in Pennsylvania and Georgia, I think they do. Pennsylvania, we're not going to find this out for a while, no. right? What's going on there? Uh, because what happens is in Pennsylvania, with the early voting, uh, when like for example, in Florida, I'll give Ron DeSantis credit. When they count the votes, uh, they count the early votes uh before they do their official counting, then they add them in. That's why Florida gets done so relatively early. In Pennsylvania, you can't do you can't vote any count until after the polls close. So you got millions of absentee wow. ballots out there. So you got to wait until after the polls close to count the absentee ballots. So how long do we have to wait here in Indiana? Then I mean, are we going to know 
uh, Senator Young. Yeah, we should Se- know. Secretary of State. Yeah, right? we should know like, everything uh, pretty much this evening in, in Indiana. Where are you at with the Secretary of State race? I know it's been a big talking point on uh, Robin Casey's show, Diego Morales, a vulnerable Republican in a very red state. Uh, can the Libertarian get to 10% here? Destiny Wells, uh, there's a lot of momentum behind her. What do you think? Um, I think the Libertarians get to 10%. Uh, I think the Secretary of State's race is a toss-up. I think it leans a little bit Destiny Wells, just a little bit. Uh, like I said, those suburban Republican women aren't crazy about some of the things that, uh, that, that's been attached to Diego Morales. Uh, but even if Diego Morales wins, I don't think he'll have that seat for very long because I think he'll be indicted for possibly voter fraud. Now, let's get into that. Um, for those who might not be following this story as closely as we all do, what's the latest? Uh, the latest is, uh, first of all, uh, when Diego ran for Congress back in 2018, he lived in Marion County, had his primary residence in Marion County, had his homestead uh, property tax exemption credit in Marion County, but he voted in Hendricks County, which is you're not supposed to do that. That's, no. That can be considered voter voter fraud. I do know that state police has taken a look at taking a look at the law. They're not necessarily have sort of done any for, infor, any formal investigation yet, but they are looking at looking at the law to see how it applies because this is how they got uh, end up getting Charlie White back in uh, 2010. So this kind and of thing then, has happened before yeah. in the state of Indiana. Yes. And then who is it that picks his uh, replacement? Uh, it's it's if, Holcomb. If, yeah. If, if Diego is indicted and he's found guilty of voter fraud, which is a, class, a level five felony, uh, if you're convicted of a felony, you have to step down. And then the governor makes a pick. And so we're all kind of jokingly saying in the back that he'll pick Holly Sullivan, who Diego yeah. beat in the primary. So we just said all that to go the long way around the bar. So that's who the governor wanted at the very beginning of this process. <laughs> yeah. I, and- I, I, I don't think he'll do it, but it would be funny if he did so what can we expect in terms of uh, coverage all through the night tonight here at 93 wibc oh uh, we work with our partners at fox news fox will take care of the national stuff we'll take care of the, the state and local things uh we'll be on like the top of top of the bottom of the hour like eight to ten minutes and some change they just get everyone up to speed we'll have people at the republican democrat and libertarian headquarters this evening uh so it'll be fun so follow when, us on twitter facebook the whole nine yards when will we find out the results of the marion county prosecutors race do you i think? say we should do that by 10 o'clock by 10 um, and how close do you think it's going to be, or do you think it's going to be close? I think it's going to be close. Uh, the fact that, A, Cindy Carrasco had $300,000 dropped in her bank account the last couple of weeks of the campaign helps. Uh, number two, in the uh, in, Mary, in, in Center Township, which is very heavily Democratic, there are a ton of Cindy Carrasco yard signs in yards. Now, granted, yard signs don't vote. We all know right. that. But yard signs in yards show you those people are supporting that particular person. How and does- also the fact... That Cindy Carrasco and Kerry uh, Forsall both have sort of the same sort of anti-crime themes that they're running their commercial as. Well, Ryan Marys has taken uh, the more holistic approach. How much difference can three hundred thousand dollars make in a bank account? Quite a bit. Like, what is she doing with that? I mean, run lots advertising, of, run, run, run lots of television, run lots of television, radio ads. Okay. I saw her commercials on the big Georgia and Tennessee game, and I thought, man, if you're a sports fan, you're probably watching this football game on Saturday. Yeah. And she had a couple ads during that. Uh, one more thing here, Abdul, before we let you go, my oldest just committed to the University of Indianapolis. Gonna be a greyhound. You are a uh, teacher yes. there, right? <laughs> yes. So what's gonna happen when Chris Hammer walks into your class? and sits down. Going to hand him a note that says, Abandon hope all ye who have <laughs>
<laughs> Why am I going to have to have parent-teacher conferences with Abdul? I'm going to have to walk actually, in actually, here. Actually, college, we don't do parent-teacher conferences. What the hell's going on in they're, here? They're, they're grown-ups and adults, so they're on their own. So we'll see how good a job you get raising your son. Hey, <laughs> if you think I'm a hothead, wait till you get a load of the kid. Yeah, the 2.0 is always the worst version. <laughs> Abdul, looking forward to the coverage tonight. Thank hey, you very much. Hey, thank you. All right, Dan Levy filling in for Matt Bear. What's going on? Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, Hammer. How do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You break down all the information, then you give us a verdict. Is this story anything or not? Dateline, Florida. Two Florida police officers are being investigated after arresting a blind man over his walking stick. Apparently, the officers thought it was a gun, and when 61-year-old James Hodges became agitated, the situation escalated to him being arrested for resisting arrest. What's this in your back pocket? The navigational aids. What's the problem? You a tyrant? Yeah, I think that's something. I don't think it needs to be an investigation. The guy wasn't being cooperative. They were making sure they saw this guy. thought he had a gun in his pocket. She said she was making sure he was carrying it properly. I don't know. That, to me, seems a little weird. Um, but, but yeah, you start becoming agitated. You run the risk of putting handcuffs on you and going to jail. Just do what they, If you just would have did what they said and not been a jerk about it. Oh, no, 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 no. This isn't a gun. This is my walking stick. Uh, what do you? Th- I mean, yeah, they sounded the the cops did sound a little arrogant there, right? But you gotta you gotta be forceful sometimes. I don't care if you're blind or not. If you're- especially if you think there's a weapon involved here, right? And listen, if you're being detained, that does not mean you're being arrested. Being detained just simply means, hey, we might put some handcuffs on you until we find out all the information, and then probably we'll just take them off and you can go on your way. People need to understand the difference between being arrested and detained. Yeah, I really want to know. It goes back to the cops thinking he had a gun in his back pocket. Like, is that illegal? I mean, this is Florida, for God's sake. Right. I don't know what Florida's gun laws are off the top of my head. I'm sure they're pretty. I'm sure there's not as many regulations as, say, Chicago or Los Angeles. Let's just put it that way. So. So can you stop somebody for thinking they have a gun in their pocket and just wanting to make sure they're carrying it properly? Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, would that be considered almost like a wellness check? Sir, your gun is really loose. <laughs> it's about to fall out. If you, Let's say you're carrying he, it on your back. Yeah, all he would have needed to do was say, hey, this, it's just my walking stick. Calm down. I don't have a gun. But the guy had to be an a-hole about it. Right. I don't know. Like, if you watch I, enough I, of these programs, like the Live PD or the On Patrol Live, whatever it's called now, like, most of the time, the officers are wanting you to just calm down so they can let you go. Things escalate when you become an a-hole to the police. Uh, I'd like to know your opinion, at Hammer and Nigel. Will the cops in the right 
I mean, I know there's some, probably some hardcore libertarians that would listen to that and say, no, screw those police officers. They had no reason to uh, pull this guy over. They had no reason to ask for this ID, this guy's ID. I, I'm under the um, impression, though, that you know, I'm more on the cop side. I will probably lean more towards the police officer's side every time, most of the time than not. And uh, I just don't know about, hey, is that guy carrying the gun properly in his back pocket? Let's go talk to him. Yeah, but again, if the blind guy just would have said, oh, no, it's my walking stick. If you Boom, just cooperate solved. with the police, most of the time, things will go your way, honestly. Uh, meanwhile, another blind man in the news, for much better reasons. Oh, really? A partially blind man in Ohio ended up shooting a home intruder right square in the ass nice. during a burglary attempt. Here's part of the 911 call where the victim of the home invasion tells the dispatcher that he shot the intruder. Somebody broke in my back door. I got a shot off. He was coming right towards me. I shot a shot off. I don't know if hit him or not. I love these types of stories. Yeah, and you never see him. You never really see him in mainstream media. A good guy with a gun stops an intruder. I mean, this would be a story everywhere just because the guy's partially blind. Right. <laughs> Probably a better shot than I am. How do you feel if you're the guy that broke into the house? Like, man, I broke into the blind guy's yeah. house and I still got shot. You feel, <laughs> exactly, and you probably should feel relieved that you're still alive. That's what most of these guys do. People don't understand, uh, you know, uh, there's... There's a risk every time a, a criminal breaks into a house. You see it time and time again. Uh, you don't often see it highlighted in mainstream media, but uh, more often times than not, a homeowner with a gun will kill you in the middle of the night. No, que no questions asked. No, hey, put your hands up. No, who are you? Uh, no, get down on the floor. It's Trust me, I have neighbors that I know personally. I have family members that I know personally. That if there was ever a problem, if there was ever a question, they would be asked later. Those right. questions would get asked eventually. <laughs> right. But just not at the moment when you break down somebody's door. It would be a pull the trigger first, and then, yeah, maybe I'll answer some questions after I call my lawyer You're getting later. the Dick Cheney treatment if you break <laughs> yeah. into my house. Yeah, right, right. Shot to the face. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were a deer. <laughs> uh, uh huh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you just be, you got to be careful. Is this anything? Alexander Tominsky, a man from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, has taken upon himself to entertain the community by eating 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days, Nige. <laughs> Here is the coverage of the eating event and Tominsky's official 40th rotisserie chicken by Philly sports blog hosts. Going to abandon pier behind a Walmart to watch a guy eat his 40th consecutive rotisserie chicken in 40 days. Sometimes you just got to see a win. Three, <laughs> two, one. You're an inspiration. You have the whole city behind you. I'm glad 
the city of Philadelphia can finally come together <laughs> and put their arms around something that can unify the city. That's a city that's crime-ridden, and they've got behind a guy that ate 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days. That's what the city needs. They were upset about what happened to the Phillies in the World Series, yes. but this man, Alexander Tominsky, lifted the <laughs> city, put him on his shoulders, and now it's him and the Eagles. The Eagles! The Eagles! That have everybody's attention. <laughs> All right, what's a greater feat of athletic achievement? What this guy did with the rotisserie chickens or what ESPN broadcaster Marty Smith did? Marty Smith officially broke the world record for the longest cornhole toss. Yeah, like 70 feet or something. 76 feet. 76 feet. This was uh, right before the Georgia-Tennessee game. I have three children I love dearly. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Laney, for 23 years. And I adore them all so much, but there is nothing that I've ever experienced that created the euphoria hey, of I winning the Redneck Olympics. <laughs> I love Marty Smith. That's something for sure. Better than kids, better than marriage, better than seeing your firstborn child. He just won the Redneck Olympics. Yes, of course. I'd be proud too. Cornhole world champion. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's turn on 93 WIBC. All right, let's have a demonstration. Yeah, so, Hammer, we were talking about uh, long lines at polling stations here. Uh, election day, midterms, 2022. Uh, my wife just texted me. Uh, she just got to the Zionsville Library, 40-minute wait. Okay. So that was that's substantially longer uh, you know, than I waited uh, when I early voted last Thursday at the town hall. Now, speaking of libraries, we had a guy tweet at us at Hammer and Nigel Nellis, the Hancock County Library, busier than expected. And he posted a photo that looks like a line stretching out the door and kind of winding around to like the parking lot. So that's going on. Plus, we're hearing Brownsburg and Columbus. Those places just slammed. So if you're in Brownsburg, if you're down in the Columbus area, uh, let us know how it's going for you, what the wait time is right now. I know a couple, about an hour ago when we started the show, Brownsburg was about an hour to an hour and a half, maybe longer Whoa. wait. So, uh, well, James is our uh, producer. You had to, how long did you wait? I waited about an hour when I went in on Saturday. Oh, Saturday? Yeah. Okay. Now, where was that at? That was uh, the Wells Community Church in uh, Hendricks County, Brownsburg. Okay. So, Brownsburg, kind of a a hotbed for activity on this midterm election day. Maybe it's just like when you go, and especially when early voting. Some people like to go the day of. They don't mess around. I'm a day um, of guy. It's like a routine. It's like a- uh, Tradition almost. Tradition, yeah. So that's me. Um, in other news, Nige, man, I got sad news for you. <sighs> Whoopi Goldberg is leaving Twitter. No! <laughs> like like that, that one meme, that lady that found out Trump won the election. She's on her knees. She's got those glasses on. No! Screaming at the sky. 
Whoopi Goldberg has announced she's leaving Twitter. She went on The View and said this. So it has been a little over a week since Elon Musk took over Twitter and the place is a, it's a mess. He's already called back some of the workforce. He fired a few days ago. He's putting his $8 charge for blue check verification on hold. First it was going to be $20. Now it's going to be $8. He also suspended Kathy Griffin for impersonating him on a parody account. Which has started a free Kathy hashtag to trend. I mean, I'm 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 getting off. I'm getting off today because I just feel like, you know, it's it's so messy, and I'm tired of now having had certain kinds of attitudes blocked and now they're back on and I just I'm gonna get out and if it settles down and I feel more comfortable maybe I'll come back but as of tonight I'm done with Twitter I feel like uh, Curly Bill in the movie Tombstone well bye (laughs) (laughs) right who cares these people are so (laughs) scared they're so triggered by the concept of a fair and equal playing field right like we could talk about free speech we can have that conversation they can't stand the fact that twitter is going to be a little bit more balanced a little bit more fair so the same people who were applauding standing up and being champions that donald trump was kicked off of social media and alex berenson was kicked off of social media are now completely freaked out that that red-headed clown that looks like ronald mcdonald kathy griffin has been kicked off of twitter (laughs) here are the celebrities so far that have left twitter i think we went over some of these a couple days ago i'd not heard of any of them shonda rhimes i have no idea who that is uh Sarah Bareilles. Sarah Bareilles. Sarah Bareilles. You know who that star. is? Yeah. Right, she's off Twitter. And then, okay, I remember I was talking about this. Taya Leone. She was um, the uh, hot chick in the Bad, Bad Boys, Boys movie. Yeah. With Martin Lawrence and yeah, yeah, Will yeah. Smith, I believe. Yeah, so. So that's it. Those are the stars. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me, like, Justin Timberlake and The Rock and Katy Perry. Taya Leone's the breadwinner in this group. Okay. Uh, yeah, not heard of a lot of these guys. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mick Foley said he's taking a break from Twitter. Mick Foley? Because of the new ownership, the pro- retired professional wrestler. But is mankind going to be on? Is Dude Love <laughs> going to be gone? Is Cactus Jack going to be gone? That's my question. Wrestling fans would appreciate that. Kyle somewhere just had his head spin all the way around. Um, so... Again, it's all about having an equal playing field, and that freaks the political left out right now because Twitter has been their playground for a number of years. Now, Elon just blew out a lot of Twitter folks. He's hiring some of them back, but he just fired a bunch. Facebook apparently is about to do the same. This is a story from the Wall Street Journal. Meta Platforms, Inc., which is the kind of parent company of Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg, Getting ready for large-scale layoffs. 
According to people no. familiar with the matter. You're telling me people don't want to live in the metaverse? <laughs> uh, the layoffs are expected to affect thousands of employees and an announcement is planned to come as soon as tomorrow. According to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Meta reported more than 87,000 employees Whoa. at the end of September. Company officials Whoa. already told a lot of employees cancel non-essential travel beginning this week so so yeah living in the metaverse didn't exactly pan out for zucks no nope. uh, that's his I've, new coke man i tried the metaverse back there it's pretty cool uh i tried it last year i mean it was kind of and and my dad has that um oculus thing um and i've tried that you know the this this headset that you put over your eyes and it's and you have a couple of handles that you hold on to kind of like the wii and for nintendo it's right. pretty cool um I was playing the last time I was over. My dad's was playing Star Wars, I was flying around in a big, uh, you know, the Millennium Falcon and stuff like that. So I mean, that's a pretty cool. I, I don't know if what my dad has has anything to do with Meta, but um, I have, you know, experienced the metaverse before for like like ten minutes. It was kind of cool. I don't know that I'd sit there and live there all day and walk around. Did you get into know. a lightsaber fight with anybody? <laughs> I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. <laughs> um. We have an update on a story that involves the armed forces, Nige. Mm. This is from the Air Force. The penis-shaped flight path near Russian base was not intentional. <laughs> have you heard about this story? I thought I saw a headline somewhere. I thought it might have been a joke, but you're telling me this is real? The Air Force has put out a statement. Despite what it might look like, the U.S. Air Force says a penis-shaped flight path made by a KC-135 near a Russian military base was not intentional. <laughs> it left like a big smoke screen that looked kind of like a crank. <laughs> Quote, we're aware of the incident and are talking with the KC-135 crew to determine the details, says an Air Force rep. It goes on to say, at this time, we do not believe the crew acted inappropriately, flying a refueling orbit consistent with requirements that met the needs of the receiver aircraft. Okay. I'm looking for photos. I can't. Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> that was on purpose. That's a crank. That's a crank right there. I mean, there's a, there's a, a middle, there's a Frank and beans. For yes. sure. It's like how my 10-year-old would draw one. <laughs> um, if you're going to get through election <laughs> night tonight, you're going to need something to drink. Let's talk about what libations can get us through tonight. We'll do that next. 60 degrees at the American Standard Heating Weather Center here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. Nigel, we got a little uh, activity taking place over here at the table behind you. What are we, uh, well, Nolan, what are we looking at? Nolan, my man from Backbone Bourbon, is uh, joining us. It was a couple of weeks ago. I walk into my office and I see this uh, big bottle of bourbon that I'd never, I, I'd never heard of this kind of bourbon before, but it was sitting in my sitting in my office and i'm like who gave this to me where is this from I, who how did this get here and now i meet the guy behind it nolan from backbone bourbon just made it what did you just make us here man we call it the hold on turn this microphone on there we go right. um we call it the indy car the uh, indy car yeah oh a, man it's a take on a sidecar uh which is scotch um but this is two ounces of bourbon um about three quarters of an ounce of grand Marnier or any kind of orange liqueur and then a little bit of simple syrup oh uh, with an orange peel. 
This wow. is the type of drink you're going to need to get through all of the stuff going on tonight. <laughs> this is your I'm getting through midterms cocktail right here. So how did we get uh, Backbone Bourbon? Tell us the backstory. Well, um, we started in uh, 2010. Um, a majority of our whiskey comes from Indiana. Um, we're awesome. In, we're in 25 states, and Indiana is our biggest market. Um my bottle that you gave me is already gone, by the way. Well, good. That's, <laughs> so what's, supposed to, that's what's supposed to happen. But we're, we're not a just hold it up for show kind of show. Yeah. We actually drink yeah, the yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, that's what it's for. Um, but we think of Backbone as the biggest, baddest, boldest bourbon in Indiana. It is bold. Yeah. Yeah, because I drink it straight. You know. Well, yeah. I, 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 I'll, you know, I'll sip on it occasionally. Sometimes I'll shoot it, but it's really, really, really good. Yeah. Don't lie um, to people. I saw you drinking it out of the bottle in your office. <laughs> well, the, you won't find the bottle there because that was last <laughs> week and it's all gone now. But you may or may not have been right about that. Um, yeah. So where are you from? I'm originally from South Africa. Okay. Okay. Because I was going to Martinsville, Indiana, was my second. I know, guess. from the south, from the south, yeah, way south, uh, South Africa. Uh, but I've been here since the late nineties. Went to Butler. Okay. And, uh, I'm a Hoosier. I love it. And you uh, are, by the way, uh, Nolan from Backbone is uh, wearing an "I Voted" sticker. Where did you vote today? I voted uh, at 52nd and Central. Right? How was it? How was the, how, We've been talking it about this all day long. It was awesome. It was I, a breeze. I was in in about five minutes. Voted in about three and I was out. Okay. So. Okay. So yeah. with what we've got lined up for tonight, we're keeping an eye on local races. We're keeping an eye on national races. What are some cocktails we can make with Backbone Bourbon? You've already got us one here. What is this again? We call it the Indy Cup. Uh, let me tell you a little story about, about it if I could. But last May, we were, trying to, we were trying to come up with a cocktail and month of May has great. And we wish that there would be a drink for the month of May. Um, you know, Kentucky has the mint julep for the race. Right. And, you know, this is our, this is our take. If, if we had to come up with a drink, this is what we would enter for, for, that, uh, for that cocktail. It's, it's mainly bourbon, um, so it's, a, it's not a very complicated you cocktail. You sold me. Okay, you're <laughs> It's mainly bourbon, and it's featured for the month of yeah. May. You had me yeah. right there. That's why yeah. you had me at hello moment right yeah. there. You know, uh, the biggest, baddest, boldest um, – Baddest bourbon. Um, so what? What's key there is the proof. So we we think proof is the key to flavor. Um, traditionally, a lot of bourbons watered down to a lower proof. We leave it. We leave the proof in there for the flavor. And so for cocktails, um, that high proof actually helps. You can kind of feel the the drink and the cocktail. It kind of gives it a little bit more. I hate to say it, more backbone. Okay, there I see what is. you did there. Oh, backbone Hold bourbon. your drink up to this camera here. So if you're watching us on the YouTube stream right now, uh, Nolan, Big Nige, look at that beverage. Now, some mm. folks come in and they bring bottles, and yes, we'll make our own drinks. But you've got like a whole cocktail station yeah. going on back here today. That looks so good. Yeah. Well, cheers. No, What's in this? One more time. Um, we're here with Nolan from Backbone Bourbon drinking a few cocktails for the uh, midterm election coverage here. One more time. How do you make the uh, the IndyCar? Is that what it is? Yep. IndyCar. It's two ounces of bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of any kind of orange liqueur. Grand Marnier is what I used. And then just maybe a half an ounce of simple syrup with it with a, with an orange peel. That's, That's it. delicious. Give it, a, give it a shake. It's delicious. Where can we get Backbone Bourbon? Uh, all the major retailers in Indi Indianapolis carry it. Uh, we, we're also outside of Indy, uh, up north, down south. Um, you should be able to find it at 
at your what local. is it about indie i mean you said we're the biggest customer uh yeah. you well, have the biggest based, customer base what is it about this place we're based in uh, in indy we run the company from indy okay um, and then you know just about all the movement is, is made in indiana so um it's a it's a, what home. a cool, cool what's your official uh job title job title uh, owner? owner yeah you yeah, own, founder, you're the uh, owner, founder, and owner. Yeah, I have a partner, uh, co- co-founder, co- uh, co-owner. But uh, we started and uh, started the brands in 2010. Um, what a cool gig, man! So yeah, I, I, I love mean, this, this is, country. It's a, this country's great for uh, great for everybody. But when you're an immigrant, I you know I have a kind of a soft spot for that. So you mean you don't feel oppressed and hate this country? The news <laughs> networks have been lying to us. No, no, I can't believe it. No, you I guys. can't believe it. No, it's. Uh, I think uh, too much news is maybe not the best, but I, I love it. I, every day here is great. I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be an American. Well, I tell you what, man. Well, if cheers you're to that. Yeah, if cheers, you're going cheers, to vote, absolutely. which you got about an hour left. If you're stuck in line, maybe you're listening to us on your phone or whatnot. Go do your duty, vote, and on the way home, go grab some backbone bourbon, crank up WIBC, and let the results roll in. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Cheers. We've got more election coverage coming up next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock. Yeah, you got an hour to go. An hour till uh, an hour to vote. Uh, We've been talking all afternoon long about how long lines have been at various uh, polling places across the city. I got a text from my barber, Miss Connie. Uh, she did early voting in Brownsburg last Wednesday, waited over 30 minutes, and the poll worker said it had been that busy every day, open to close, bigger than the presidential election two years ago. I've heard that from a couple people. Now, some people have said they've gotten right in and out. That was my experience earlier today on the South Side. But what we're hearing from Brownsburg, like apparently somebody sent us a message here voting at Lucas Oil Raceway. The line is two hours long. Whoa. They only have five stations apparently that are open. So if you're in line, you still get to vote. So just because six o'clock rolls around doesn't mean they tell everybody to go home at that point. If you're in line, stay there. You still get a chance to vote. Uh, my stepmom was working at a polling station, and uh, she said average wait time there, I think it was in Plainfield or Avon, was about a half hour. And then my dad said a long line at Crossroads Church in Avon. So I'm just trying to get a sense of how many people are out there uh, voting today. And if it's, I'm wondering what kind of turnout this is going to be when we have the final tally. It feels like the more people that vote, the better that is for the conservatives and Republicans. Because the way midterms traditionally work, the angry group comes out. Right, the complacent group comes out, but it's not as fired up. Midterms usually you see the empire strike back, so to speak. The other side come out in droves because sure. they're not happy about what happened in yeah. the last election, or in this case, what's gone on in this country the last two years. And there's not one specific topic that's driving. Like economy is number one. But you've got crime. You've got what's happening in your schools. You've got a number of different things that are people are pretty passionate about, and that's why they're willing to wait in line for two hours. And didn't after the first two years of Obama's presidency, the Democrats got hammered Correct. in the midterms, right? Right. So that's normal. But honestly, man, it feels like, and we'll talk about this later, the pressure is clearly on the Republicans. Because if you can't win the House and the Senate, 
after these last two years of what's going on in this country, man, there's no hope. <laughs> if you can't win the Senate <laughs> after a recession, ridiculous crap in schools, crime, all that kind of stuff, a wide open border, fentanyl, if you can't take back the House and the Senate, that's on you. Because the material is there. You have to realize, though, that if you do take back the House and the Senate, then it's still Joe Biden uh, vetoing many, many, many uh, bills that come across his desk. It is. But it's also a referendum on his presidency in in 2024. And I'm sure if we see this this tidal wave uh, of Republicans of governors, uh, you know, of of senators and and house members. If we see this tidal wave, Joe Biden ain't running in 2024. No. You, you can you can take that to the bank because I, he's already announced his intention to run in 2024. Which, mean which was cute. To? Yeah. <laughs> As they would say in the south, bless his heart. Yeah. But it it truly is a referendum on the the Biden administration. Meanwhile, locally, all eyes are on the Marion County prosecutor's race. I'm curious to see what heavy voter turnout means for this race. Is this good news for Cindy Carrasco? Or is this going to be Democrats coming out in droves because they've got a super majority in terms of registrations in Marion County? Is this going to be a Ryan Mears blowout? So I'm really interested to see what kind of numbers come in with this prosecutor's race. It's like I get these different, like I texted um, uh, a guy in the media I know that leans liberal, and I go, so what do you think about, what do you think is going to happen with the prosecutor's race in Marion County? He says he thinks it's going to be Mears uh, big. But then we talked to our guy, Abdul, here, who is no friend of the Republican Party, so to speak. He's more establishment. Um, he says it's going to be very close, he thinks, just in terms of fundraising and even some of the signage that he's seen in unusual places for Cindy. So I don't know. So the question becomes, is Indianapolis having a public safety crisis or not? Ryan Mears was asked about that at one of the debates he had with Cindy Carrasco. You know, and there's going to be a lot of discussion today about the prosecutor's office and the role of the prosecutor's office in our community. But one of the things that we can never lose sight of is what are the root causes of these issues? What causes someone to be involved in violent crime? What causes someone to be a victim in violent crime? What are those root causes? Is it poverty? Is it addiction? Uh, is it mental health issues? And so, I mean, those are the challenges that need to be addressed and be to be examined. Uh, no one's happy with where the numbers are as it relates to violence. Violent crime. Talk about root causes all you want, but while you're talking about root causes, can you at least keep the violent criminals in jail? Right. The guy (laughs) that had 20 plus felonies that shot somebody. (laughs) Can we make sure that he's not out? I would love to know. Yeah, I'd love to get down to the root cause and see why so many people are acting the way they are and are so violent and are are killing people in homicide. Yeah, we probably need to address that, but at the same time, we don't need to be letting them back out. Right. To commit the same crimes again. Listen, there's never (laughs) going to be a situation where Marion County, specifically Indianapolis, is not going to have crime. But if you could just remove the violent habitual offenders, a big chunk of these numbers are going to go down. Absolutely. A big chunk of these numbers are going to go down. Um, Around the nation, 
I'm interested in Pennsylvania, and I know their clo- their polls close, I believe, at 7 o'clock tonight, and we're probably not going to know who wins that for a couple of weeks because this is where we're at now in this country on Election Day. It's not Election Day anymore. It's like an, a month, Election Month. But Dr. Oz against Fetterman, this could be the state that decides who's got the power in the U.S. Senate. Which state do you want to keep your eye on, Nige? Well, I think it's just the same in Georgia. Georgia race could determine the balance of the Senate as well. I, I think that uh, Kemp is is just, in terms of polling and what we've seen leading up to the election, Kemp, the guy that's going to got a big truck to I get around and up some illegals. <laughs> what are the great campaign commercials <laughs> of all time? I mean, I think he was leading big. Stacey Abrams is a disaster. And I think, um, can you really have a, an influx of people voting for Kemp for governor, but not Herschel Walker for Senate? In Georgia, right? Does that make sense to you? Maybe, maybe not. I, I it's it's uh, it's neck and neck. Uh, <laughs> it's neck is that and, a Fetterman yeah, joke? I was, I was gonna say I tried to tie that into Fetterman somehow because we already talked about Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> so what happens tomorrow after Beto and Stacey Abrams both lose? <laughs> like, what are they going to run for next? Because they're career politicians. Beto doesn't want to get a real job because he's a weirdo. Stacey Abrams, she thinks she's running for re-election tonight instead of election. She's about to lose twice to the same guy. Uh, is this going to be it for their political careers, or are they going to keep coming back for more? Uh, I don't know. They're going to come back for more. I mean, uh, who endorsed Beto that was, uh, didn't Oprah just endorse Beto and Fetterman? Right. Which well, was kind of a slap in the face of Dr. Oz, and she was, you know, she brought Dr. Oz to prominence. LeBron James just endorsed Raphael Warnock of Georgia. Not that he can vote in Georgia, or has, I mean... You know, I guess some people would say that that's a big deal. You know, I'm endorsing Zeldin for governor in New York. That's who, I, that's who I'm endorsing. I'm endorsing Cindy Carrasco here in Indianapolis. That's my endorsement. Okay. Uh, but listen, at the end of the night, the Dems are going to try to spin this as we can't let those bloodthirsty, violent, MAGA extremist Republicans win. Here's a little checklist of what's gone on during the midterm campaign. You had Lee Zeldin get an assassination attempt. You had a North Carolina House candidate shot with kids at home. Oh, yeah, Harrigan. Yeah, that you was crazy. You had an Arizona governor candidate, Carrie Lake. White powder was sent to her office. The Michigan GOP chair was bitten by an angry teacher at a rally. Ted Cruz had a beer can thrown at him at the World Series parade. But again, it's all about those bloodthirsty, violent, MAGA extremists. (laughs) They could storm the Capitol at any moment. They might be doing it right now. We don't know. So I cast my vote earlier. Score one for the extremists, Nige. I voted against all the lunacy. Now, if you're still in line, stay there. If you're on your way to vote, go cast those votes. And once you get there before six, you are allowed to vote. It's kind of like basketball. If the ball leaves your hand and then the horn goes off, sure. it still counts if it goes through the hoop. So that's the way that the voting lines work. And here's a little mood music from Hammer and Nigel Records to get you into the spirit of the midterm elections. Votes, it doesn't matter who. Votes, <laughs> it's what you gotta do. Votes, you gotta get out there and vote. When I was 
was younger, so much younger than today. I never cast a vote or cared about it anyway. But now the world has changed, I don't know what to do. Either way I vote, I think the country's pretty screwed. Help me if you can, I cannot choose. Turn it up. And I don't know who should win and who should lose. I do. I wish the candidates could hand out booze. Yeah. <laughs> or don't complain to me. A little mood music right. from Hammer and Nigel Records. Very nice. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Welcome to the midterms, everybody. Election coverage all evening long here on 93 WIBC. I'm Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Daylight saving time ended, uh, when was that, Sunday? Right. And so if you're still feeling a little drowsy, the good news is a poll found this should be the last day that you feel that way. 2,000 people asked how long it takes them to adjust to shifting the clocks. The average answer is about 66 hours. It's a couple days plus another 18 hours now my question for you hammer um you know with spring forward fall back we got an extra hour i slept in on sunday i don't feel groggy at all do people normally feel tired in the in the fall when this happens i don't know normally you think that would be like in the spring in the spring when when you you lose lose that hour hour. right yeah i definitely my kids everybody's messed up the only reason i could think that people might be a little groggy is because it gets dark so early and subconsciously you're probably thinking oh my god it's late it's so dark it's got to be 10 11 o'clock you look outside and it's seven what do you which would you rather have uh Early morning hour, lighter early morning hours, or darker? I like it both ways, I guess, is what I'm saying. I like the best of both worlds. I, in the summer, I like it when it stays light out later. But in the winter, I don't really care. I like it when the sun is up longer. Like, I hate driving home and it's dark already. Like, that's my thing. Yeah, it'll like, be dark by the time we, we get done with the show tonight. It's bizarre, because I'm looking up at our TV screens here we've got in studio, and Fox News, which is headquartered in New York City, uh, they're on the East Coast. They're doing The Five right now with our pal Jesse Waters, and the background, it's dark. Oh, sure, yeah, the East Coast, coast it's already dark. It's yeah. already yeah, dark yeah, yeah. on the East Coast. It's 525. That blows my mind that in the summertime, like my kids' baseball games wouldn't even be starting for another five minutes. Wow. You know, so uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy that likes the sun to be out a little later. I like, you know, to sit on my patio after work, you know, get home. It's 8, 830, have a beverage or two, sit there with the fam, see the sunset, Especially when you go on vacation. If you ever go somewhere by the water, like, you know, we kind of vacation in the same area, Nige. Last time I went to St. Pete, we stayed at this hotel where you get up on the rooftop and there's the pool and the bar. And to see that sun set down into the water, you know, about 845, 850, it's awesome. I'm down for that. Uh, Here are a few other quick stats from that survey about daylight saving time. And by the way, there's no S. It's not daylight savings well, time. Yeah. You're a savings time guy, no, aren't I said you? saving. Okay. I knew it was saving. Okay. Uh, two-thirds of us hope this is the last time that we fall back. 
think that shifting the clocks back and forth should be abolished one way or the other. Well, we didn't have it for a while in Indy. We didn't have this for a long time. I forget when it changed, but it hasn't always been this way. Right. And still in Indiana, there are a couple counties that are on different time zones. So like, let's say in about 30, what, 34 minutes, the polls close for most of Indiana. But there's a couple counties that are on central time to where technically they're open until what would be seven o'clock our time. And there's a number of states that have different time zones in them. Okay, 2006. Before 2006, most of Indiana did not observe daylight saving time. Okay. It's been recently here in the past 15, 20 years. Here's one that's interesting to me. And again, this is a survey about daylight saving time. About 40% hope that the bill that passed in the Senate takes effect this year. Now, the bill they're talking about was one that was rolled out by Marco Rubio. That's right. And he actually got bipartisan support on this bill. I ask unanimous consent that the Rubio substitute amendment at the desk be considered and agreed to. Is there objection? Without objection, so ordered. Thank you, Madam President. And uh, as the day goes on, I I look forward to others will be coming to the floor here in a moment. You'll see it's an eclectic collection of members of the United States Senate in favor of what we've just done here in the Senate, and that's to pass a bill to make a daylight savings time permanent. It passed unanimously through the Senate. Now, think about that. The Republicans, the Democrats, they don't agree on anything, exception being daylight savings time and how bad it sucks. It passed unanimously through the Senate, but it's sitting in the House. So wait a minute. So wait a minute. So if it passes and Biden signs it, there would be no fall backwards. It would it would technically be 6.30 right now. So once Biden signs this, if that happens, it goes one full cycle and then we never touch the clocks again. So let's say that after, oh. what is it, March or April when we spring forward, if Biden signs that, it's one more full cycle and then the clocks stop. Interesting. No more time change. It passed unanimously through the Senate, but of course the House has gotten squirrely. It's a big mess in the House. Probably and not I- the most, uh, you know, the most dire of uh, things we need to be paying attention to in Congress right now. Right. <laughs> Maybe they could put a billion dollars yeah. to Ukraine in there and it'll get some attention. Maybe it'll get some yeah. attention then. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. Uh, the election coverage continues here on 93 WIBC as it will all night long. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. And we're going to hook up live with Tony Katz from Tuesdays with Tony. Uh, Tony, we had Cindy Carrasco, GOP, uh, you know, race for prosecutor here in Marion County. I told her it was, I thought it was the most important race in the state. And I know there's statewide elections like Secretary of State, Senate. What do you think is the most important race in Indiana before we kind of expand outward and look at the nation? I don't know if, if I have uh, anything that is particularly the most important race. I think that this race for prosecutor is extremely important. So what is it that uh, the people of Marion County want? Do they want to vote for the RD after the name, or do they want something better than what they have right now? Do they want something that works? If they're not happy with what they have, they have to be asking themselves what they can do about it. And if they're they're told that they can't do anything about it, because after all, you can't vote 
uh, for uh, for somebody with an R after the name or whatever the case may be, well, then this is this is what they're stuck with. And it seems to me that they shouldn't be people who put themselves in a position to be stuck with anything. That seems silly. So, Tony, you were on the air this morning when the polls opened up statewide across Indiana. What was some of the feedback you were getting? Did it feel like uh, there was excitement for Hoosiers to go vote today? What kind of feedback did you get? Uh, so uh, a couple of things. I mean, I, I went to the polls after the, the morning show. I, I figured there were like 20-plus people ahead of me in line when, when uh, my wife and I got there. And uh, then when we got to the front of the line, there were maybe 40-plus people uh, behind me. Is it the most I've ever seen in, in a polling place? I can't, I can't recall. But I, I didn't. I didn't look around to see what the energy was. I'm usually just trying to stay very much out of the way. Let me vote. Let me leave. I, I'm not. I'm not interested in conversation. I'm not interested. How's your day? My day is none of your business. I just want to vote, and then I want to. <laughs> I want to move on. Like that's that's totally it. Um. So, uh. I, I don't know if it, it was excitement, right? Uh, I, I haven't heard of real problems in Indiana like we've heard about these issues with with the the ballots in Maricopa County, which is where Phoenix is in Arizona, yeah. um, and th- and those issues. Um, so I I, w- I would say to you that uh, so far everyone everything seems uh, so good, but if the amount of people is the conversation about enthusiasm, then yeah, I've seen a whole bunch of people. Any other races nationwide that are on your radar that maybe people generally aren't paying attention to? Uh, I think that we're all so very uh, dialed in because this is about control of the Senate. And already we're, we know we're going to get control of the House. Republicans are going to control the House is, is how I should should say that. Um, I, I don't think I've been paying, uh, you know, undue attention to that Pennsylvania race. I don't think I've been paying undue attention to the Arizona Senate race or that New Hampshire Senate race, which is still fascinating uh, to me. I think the Oklahoma governor's race uh, where uh, Ken Stitt, uh, Kevin Stitt, sorry, um, was in a, was in a bad spot uh, and was, was losing in that Oklahoma race to Joy Hoffmeister. And then uh, the stories uh, about, uh, Hoffmeister, whether it be about uh, policing uh, or, or so, some other issues, have started to come to to the surface, and this has really had had an effect on her. And Hoffmeister, somebody who was a Republican, then switched to the Democratic Party. Um, and uh, wait, 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 was she? Was she, yeah? I think it was her. I think it was her who who did that. So it became this real fascinating kind of kind of race going on there. Uh, I think Stitt pulls it out, which um, I, I'd be uh, happy to to see. Uh, but that's a race that I'm paying attention to. So you mentioned Pennsylvania. Let's go back to Pennsylvania for just a moment because we're already hearing that. Well, it might be three, four days until we find out what's going on. Could be weeks until we get a uh, conclusion on what's happening in Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has already stated that if there are no dates on those mail-in ballots, you got to throw them out. They do not count. But the Fetterman team, they're kind of laying the groundwork to challenge that. I want to get your thoughts on what we're hearing from Pennsylvania. 
Uh, so uh, I, a couple of, of things, and I, I've got people somehow thinking that I didn't uh, address this uh, properly. Uh, the Philadelphia conversation um, where they're upset that they have to actually compare who's on the voter rolls and who voted in person to who voted absentee to make sure people haven't voted twice, like somehow that's that's a problem. Um, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania as a whole have uh, gone about this idea or people have gone about the idea that somehow the votes there are going to take for forever to count because of their rules. Um, For a lot of people, that's indicative of a problem because it breeds the opportunity for for the opportunity for fraud. And and people are concerned. There's a lack of faith. There's a lack of trust. We we know this. Uh, But I think the, the, the bigger story here is what you're talking about, Hammer, that the Fetterman campaign is suing suing as of today to say just because someone didn't date something right or sign something right doesn't mean that their vote shouldn't count. But rules are rules. If we don't have rules, what do we have? And their answer is, yeah, we don't care about rules. We care about trying to guilt you into accepting that vote, even though that vote isn't proper. It's rather obscene. Uh, And it's exactly the kind of theft the kind of opportunity for theft that we are wholly opposed to and we don't want to have happen. But Pennsylvania Democrats seem totally fine with it. Totally, totally fine with it. And it is absurd. Pennsylvania, a place known for uh, its fracking and its coal industry. You have Joe Biden over the weekend saying, yeah, we're going to end coal. Yeah, we're just going to end it. Um, and had, you know, guys like Manchin from his own party criticizing him. I mean, what was Joe Biden thinking, or was he, or do you... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. You, you lost me. You, you almost sounded like Joe Biden there for a second. What do you mean? <laughs> what, what, what did he say? He said he's done with coal. He, didn't he play that clip over the weekend? Oh, good Lord. He said oh, that's with, right. That's right. He's he, going to end it in drilling. Gonna yes, end the uh, we're, we're, we're no longer going to have coal. We're going to be reliant on wind and solar. Four days before an election <laughs> where Pennsylvania's on the line, we're done with coal. He is a special kind of stupid. <laughs> um, and 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 I, I you know I hate to use the expression, but I, I assume I'm quoting uh, somebody else. I'm like I'm I'm quoting probably Oscar Goodman, the former mayor of Las, uh, of Las Vegas, when when I say that. Um, the 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 way that the administration tried to clean up what he said. Oh. Um, it's the, the, these are embarrassing people yeah. in embarrassing times, and we should note that solar and wind don't work. If they worked, that'd be great, but they don't work. So we have to stop pretending that they do work and recognize that while it may be coal, it may be fracking, it, it, it may be oil, it may be a mix of all three, it could be hydrogen and nuclear for all I know. Only thing I know for sure is that it's not solar and not wind. They don't work. Tuesdays with Tony Katz here on 93 WIBC. What did you think of Donald Trump over the weekend taking a shot across the bow at Ron DeSanctimonious just Just a couple of days for the election? Just look, I I expect nothing else from Trump. I I got into a whole conversation yesterday about what does it mean that he's going to be first to announce he's going to try and clear the field. And the answer is the question is, does it keep anybody out? And the answer is not really. I don't think it does anything to DeSantis, because why would he announce now? That guy can wait a year. A year. Let let Trump burn himself out to the extent that that guy could burn himself out. Let people get tired of his crap and be looking for something else. DeSantis doesn't have to panic. Pompeo doesn't have to panic. Governor Greg Abbott doesn't have to panic. None of these people do who may want to get in the race. Now... 
people like Cruz or Rubio, if they want to get in the race, I think they've got a, a harder issue with Trump being in early and clearing out and demanding fealty and loyalty right from the start, which he's going to learn doesn't come. The real question is, does a MAGA base, if you, to the extent that there's a MAGA base, want Trump or do they want to win? I want to be in the place where they want to win because if they want Trump, that's idol worship. And man, am I freaked out about idol worship. All right, Tony. Some people play fantasy football. Let's do a little fantasy election here. For argument's sake, just play along with me here. Let's say that Ron DeSantis looks like he's going to be the guy. He is going to win the Republican primary over Donald Trump. Do you think Trump is petty enough to run as a third party just to try to screw over Ron DeSantis. <laughs> ah, eh, maybe, possibly. Eh. Everything is possible. Everything is on the table at all times when it comes to Trump. I'm just, we're so far ahead of the game <laughs> that I just, I just make it stop. <laughs> just make it blanking stop already. All right, my man. I'm sure we know what's coming up tomorrow morning on the, uh, the big shows, but uh, give us a little preview. Oh, sure. We'll be discussing Joe Biden's favorite pudding recipes. <laughs> oh, good. It's about time he did something that he knows what he's talking about. Right, so it's going to be all right. It's going to be a good time had by all. So join me at 6 a.m. <laughs> he is Tony. on social media at Tony Katz. Facebook is Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you. Always. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Right now, we've got uh, dark skies. I'm not used to saying dark here in the afternoon. Yeah. Dark skies, 59 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center at 93 WIBC. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Oh, it's a final countdown. I see what you did there. First polls closing in a few minutes here. In Central Indy Hammer. Now, there's a couple of places in Indiana where we're on Central Time, so they're open until, uh, so they're open for another hour, I believe. Correct. Is that, is that right? But Correct. Most polls closing here in about 10 minutes, but that doesn't mean you leave that line. If you're in line, stay in line and vote. Even if you get there at 559, let's say you're driving to go vote right now. As long as you're in line, then you get your chance to go vote. Now, at 6 o'clock, they cut off the line. But if you're going somewhere to cast your vote, stay there. You made it this far. It's important. Get your vote in. You know, I just realized this is the, I think we're around the two-year anniversary of me having to call in sick to work. Or, no, I wasn't sick, but my wife was because she had COVID. Right. And this was two years ago when, like, uh, the when it was the presidential election. Our, like, this is our Super Bowl here at the radio station. Right. Trump I mean, v. Trump, Biden. And this was big. And I had to call my boss and say, "Hey, not only does my wife have COVID, but it knocked her on her ass." And he's like, "Yeah, you got to stay home. We we don't want you here." And back then, and, somebody had COVID, uh, like it was DefCon <laughs> One. Yeah. Although my wife. I mean, that's probably the closest I've ever come to getting a divorce because I kind of <laughs> wanted to. I'm like, Lindsay, she's sitting in bed. And she's like, oh, God. Uh, I go, here, can you, we're on the air. Can you talk to Hammer? Uh, <laughs> and just tell us, get away from me. No, this is not a bit for your show. She goes, I don't even want people to know that I have COVID. You just tell them it's a close contact and that's it. 
you just tell them like she was really mad at me that I <laughs> like kind of you know make her a, a guest on the show. Right. Uh, we share our lives like, with people. We share our lives with people. Probably people were wondering why I wasn't there on our Super Bowl of politics day of politics the election day presidential election day and eventually i was able to get a you know do the show for my closet you remember that doing the show for my closet for right uh like five days my favorite was when you would go to the restroom and i could hear you flush because <laughs> the restroom clearly was close to the closet yeah and our, i could hear you flush our walk-in closet and uh that's where i decided to put the setup with the microphone and the computer and everything because i had great um you know there were no acoustics it was uh, like the echoed there was no echo or reverb or anything because i was surrounded by you know cloth right uh, like I posted a picture of it and my wife's bras were hanging in the background. <laughs> I had to take it down immediately. <laughs> I had to take it down immediately. Uh, Remember when Pat McAfee put some tweet out from the locker room? I think like Andrew Luck was in the yeah, background, like naked. Getting, getting dressed, putting his boxer briefs on. <laughs> kind of the same, kind of the same thing. But yeah, this is a two year anniversary of that. And congratulations to your better half, Lindsay, because she became the latest woman to say, I don't want to talk to him that's a long yeah. and distinguished list of ladies she, who have said i don't want to talk to him she was she was incredulous that i even had it in my head that hey just talk to hammer on the air real quick this could be good for the show <laughs> she was she's one of those ones that like got it like it was the flu you know some people like i when i got it i didn't i only had no smell or taste right i but didn't you have felt any, okay I felt fine, yeah, but I just couldn't taste my whiskey or smell a candle <laughs> or anything. But she she got punched in the gut by it, for sure. So, um, love you, honey. This, we're coming up on our 14 year anniversary here. <laughs> Happy anniversary, I guess. We you know we were lucky that week too because that entire week of November uh, during the presidential election, that entire week was killer weather, like 70s, mid 70s. So we were outside every day, and I quite frankly, I've never done the show from home since then or before then but that was kind of fun wandering down to my beer fridge uh at five o'clock to get a beer and coming back up to the closet can i do something real quick what are you doing there oh oh you got the uh, i'm cracking open an aluminum pint of miller light because we're coming back for a live hour nige that's right we're going to take some calls we're going to talk election and when we start getting results we will let you know it's election night here on the hammer and nigel show Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there. If you're standing in line waiting to vote, you're maybe listening to us on an app or our YouTube feed. Don't leave the lines. The polls are closed, but you can still wait and vote. They're not going to kick you out of line. They might cut off the line so people that are walking in from the parking lot can't uh, you know, get in line. But if right. you're in line somehow, stay there. You'll be fine. And we're still get, uh, still getting people uh, telling us how long they they waited uh, in line. Let's see, Hendricks County. This is from Andy. Took us 37 minutes to vote in Hendricks County. Um, let's see, Hancock County. Looks like there's a line around the corner there at the library or the school wherever uh, Anna is at. No stickers are left. That's how you can tell a lot of people voted. (laughs) 
Like, I didn't get a sticker when I voted in Zionsville. Oh, I, I got see, one. Yeah, I'm no, rocking it out. Your, I see it. You and your uh, civic duty. We're on the YouTube stream, and I will say this. One of the silver linings of Daylight Saving Time is now that the sun is down, if you watch me on the YouTube stream, I don't look like I'm in the witness protection program anymore. Because <laughs> I'm a guy that likes the window open. Yeah. Right? I like to look out at Monument Circle. I want to keep an eye on things. But that allows the sun come in. And everybody complains Hey, the YouTube feed, it looks like you're ratting somebody out in the mafia. And they need to figure that out. That's not our fault. <laughs> somebody at digital needs to get on that. But now it looks great. I'm looking at it right now, and well, I am a sexy young man. It's your face. It doesn't look, don't say it looks great. <laughs> the, actual, the actual picture looks great. Your face looks awful. So now we wait. <laughs> Big Nige, we wait. We wait for some of these poll numbers to slowly trickle in. And you mentioned this earlier, and I think this is important. While most of the state's polls have closed, there are some counties in Indiana that are open for another hour because they are on a different time zone. So for some of these statewide races, we might not have any information for a little while. And even the local races, we might not have information for a while. It just takes a little bit to get the results in. Luckily, we've got the entire WIBC newsroom loaded. They are here. They're going to be here all night long. Abdul's going to join them. And uh, Chris Davis, our news director, is going to join us here in just a few minutes. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on what's going to happen tonight. I'm interested in the Senate. Aside from the local races. Yeah. I'm interested in the Senate. Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. These are the four states that I think are going to decide the Senate. And earlier today, in the key battleground state of Arizona, in the county that features Phoenix, Maricopa County, the biggest, most diverse swing county, they had some election problems, Nige. Oh, go figure. The voting machines were down in 20% of the polling locations. They had to have a press conference to tell everybody that, well, we'll just take those ballots and we'll treat them like mail-in. Everything is completed. Then these ballots will be taken out securely and delivered by a bipartisan team, so Republican and Democrat, down to here at the Central Tabulation Center where they will be tabulated. And while this is obviously not how the system was designed, this is a failsafe that functions the exact same way as early voting, which you know we have been going through for the past 26 days. Look, I think this is all important. I I haven't heard of much of this kind of thing happening nationwide. Uh, This is an important race uh, in terms of the Senate there in Arizona with uh, uh, Masters and uh, uh, Mike Lee, right? And Kelly. uh, uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike Kelly. And uh, obviously the uh, the governor's race, gubernatorial race between Hobbs and Carrie Lake, which, by the way, Katie Hobbs is in charge of what's going on there in the elections, in terms of the elections right now. Just a coincidence that the biggest county, the most diverse swing county, has got some shenanigans going on, Katie Hobbs. So while I know that people in Indiana probably think that Todd Young has got this wrapped up, and he probably does. Um, it's important to pay attention what's happening in other states, especially in terms of uh, the Senate races, because those Democrats, those guys like Warnock, guys like Fetterman, want more oppressive climate change laws. Um, they want to indoctrinate your kids with 
with gender identity and sexuality in schools. They want to defend the police. They love getting the worst defenders out of jail. So does our Marion County prosecutor. It's all important. So we should all be paying attention to these things, especially in the Senate, because it could be one or two um, Senate races that, that will be able to decide some of these things. And Pennsylvania, their polls close um, I believe at 8 o'clock tonight. I think I said 7 earlier. I think it's 8 o'clock tonight. That's when their polls close. And we might not know for weeks, Nigel, really? what's happening in Pennsylvania. Because one, it's expected to be very close. Uh, if I can make a Fetterman neck joke, it's going to be neck and neck <laughs> in Pennsylvania tonight. One neck substantially bigger than the other one. One neck having like two or three layers compared to the other one. And number two, Fetterman's camp has already lawyered up. Because in Pennsylvania, their Supreme Court, their state Supreme Court last week stated that any ballot that does not have a date on it is not valid. Well, Fetterman's camp is saying, well, wait a minute. And I'm paraphrasing here. We got a lot of stupid people that filled out their (laughs) mail-in ballot. You're going to tell me we're going to throw them away? So now he's lawyering up to try to get the people that did not fill out their ballots properly counted. So this could be a long waiting process. And again, the Senate could come down to one state. Now, would I be surprised if the Republicans won 53 seats in the Senate, if they had 53 seats? No. But realistically, I think this is going to come down to the nitty gritty here. It's going to be really close in Georgia. You make a great point, Nige. I think if Governor Kemp is going to win this race as governor. And that's what it looks like. That's what the polling shows. And he's going to beat Stacey Abrams. How is it that Raphael Warnock is going to beat Herschel Walker, yeah. Mr. Heisman Trophy winner, Georgia Bulldogs, number one team in the nation? How is a Kemp voter going to also vote yeah, for Warnock? You would, think, you would think Herschel Walker is going to ride the coattails of Kemp into a victory. He should if he's smart. He should get with Kemp and do his thing. But this has been another one of those races where both candidates are very flawed. And we're seeing that more and more across the country. Whether it's in Indiana or national candidates, we're getting some real Melvins has, here. Has there been a more flawed campaign than Diego, uh, Diego Morales, Secretary of State? It's been rough. <laughs> with, the, with the charges of uh, voting fraud and the Me Too stuff, and just to name a few, um, it's, you know, it, it's been a rough campaign for him. Yeah. The allegations, the history, like if you check the resume, you know. The, the questionable resume, fired from political gigs. Right. And what does this mean for the Libertarian candidates? I know the Libertarian candidates are always asking, hey, what about us? Talk about us. Uh, Jeff Maurer, he's got a really good shot to make some ground uh, for the Libertarians. But at what cost? If Maurer gets over 10%, does that give a victory to Destiny Wells, who's a lunatic on the left? You might not like Diego Morales. You might not like Destiny Wells. You cast your vote for Jeff Maurer, the Libertarian. But does a vote for Libertarian hurt the Republicans? This has kind of been that same talking point for a number of years. Does it hurt the Republican in this race? I think the answer is yes. But at what point do you teach 
the Indiana Republicans put somebody better out there. Right. You can't keep putting stiffs out there like Todd Young and Diego Morales and expect us to vote for these people. But if people keep voting for them, the problem is once you get outside of Indianapolis or the areas where there's not a WIBC, right? Because we got a pretty strong signal. We go far up north, we go far south, east and west. But once you get into those pockets that don't have a WIBC, even Fort Wayne, whoa, whoa, they're pretty good at what they do, but they don't question and they don't badmouth the conservatives. Here on this radio station, I think we're pretty fair. If you're a Republican turd, we'll call you out. If you're a Democratic turd, <laughs> we will call you out. It's what we do. And if you don't believe us, ask Eric Holcomb, oh, ask boy. Todd Young, ask Diego Morales. This is what I love about this radio station and the listeners we have. We keep it honest with you all the time. You don't get that from other radio stations around the state of Indiana. All right, here's what I want to do. I want to open up the phones. We don't do this very often, but let's do it now. It's election night, 239-9393. I want you to tell us about your voting experience today. Were you in long lines? Did you see any shenanigans? What was the vibe? What was the mood? Was everything going okay? What races are you excited for? We'll talk all things. We'll let you get on the air here. All we ask is you be brief, you be quick, so we can get as many calls in as we can. 239-9393. That's the number. 239-9393. All right, let's check a look at the roads with Dan Levy. And Dan, if people are out there still in line voting or maybe they're coming home from the polls, what kind of traffic situation are we looking at? Nobody has better election coverage than we do right here at 93 WIBC. It's 56 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center. And, you know, while uh, we're still taking calls here, 239-9393, I wanted to um, remind everybody that we endorsed a candidate. We did. For state senate. Um, and, and, look, a lot of these candidates, they sling the mud. And, but there's there was only one guy out there that spoke for himself, and that's why we got behind him. The Hammer and Nigel show, in case you didn't know, we had inf- uh, officially endorsed Roy Forehead. There are some people who want you to think that state Senate candidate Roy Forehead doesn't care about the high cost of prescription drugs. And they couldn't be more wronger. Hi, I'm Roy Forehead. And I do care about the high cost of prescription prescription drugs. Mostly because I take 23 different prescription drugs every day. These include five powerful antipsychotics, eight class four painkillers, three seizure medication, five anti-rejection drugs, and two different types of sex change hormones. Oh! Many of these drugs are prescribed for me by my doctor. The rest I get from a guy named Tony down at the beach. (laughs) If you elect me your next state senator, I promise to work closely with Carlos, my crack genie, to bring down the high cost of prescription drugs so that everyone can afford to get a sex change just like me. Dedication to medication. Make Roy Forehead your next state senator. Endorsed by Hammer and Nigel. Right, Roy Forehead. That's uh, <laughs> that's our candidate. Who's going to get a bigger chunk of the vote tonight, the Libertarian candidate or Roy Forehead? <laughs> that's our question. All right, so the question is, how was your voting experience? 
239-9393. Uh, James, can we go to Gary? Gary, you are first up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel oh, Show. Oh, Gary! How you doing? Great, man. Listen, it's long-time listener, first-time caller, 58 years old, finally got a chance to talk to you guys. I've been listening to you guys a long time. Right on. And my, and my experience today is awesome because my son is now voting age, and he sat up all night and studied all the candidates. Good. And, Love to hear that. And, yeah. And he uh, – so we got to vote together today, and that was special because I'm the wrestling coach at Hamilton Heights, and, and my son Colton is a wrestling coach, assistant wrestling coach. So he wrestled for me all his life. We've been pretty good – you know, pretty good friends. It's father and son, and we do a lot together. But today I said, hey – we got to vote. He looked at me and goes, that's our duty. I go, I know. So uh, we, were, I think we were 33rd Precinct and Fishers, but it took us, I mean, it wasn't anybody. It wasn't cool. We're just getting out of wrestling practice now. It was like two minutes it took me. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, I'm looking at uh, uh, somebody that emailed us on Facebook, Chris Daniels, uh, out of the Zionsville Town Hall. And the line was uh, out across the lawn, like n- not the complete opposite of my experience at the town hall there when I was there early voting Thursday. People were waiting in the parking lot around the corner in Zion's. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, so I'm hearing a, a lot of that stuff. And it's like, I didn't see any of that in Fishers. Like, I'm like, and I think it just I depends still... on the time. You know what I mean? Whatever, t- whatever yeah. time frame you're coming in. I know that when I got there, uh, I don't know if it was you or Nigel, I, I'm, uh, I didn't get my sticker. <laughs> I that was me. I didn't get this. There's thing. a sticker shortage in America. Thanks, Joe Biden. The supply chain has affected our voter stickers. Like everybody on my Facebook has a sticker on. I'm like, where's my sticker? Right on. Right, Gary, thank you, thank you so much, Gary. man. We appreciate it. Uh, let's go thank to you. Lee. Lee is standing by. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Lee, how was your voting experience? Not bad. I, uh, I left about 1249, so I wouldn't have to deal with the uh, lunchtime crowd. And I got there, and and, and uh, I believe it was empty in there, but there were some school board candidates outside and the state representative outside, and I wanted to see what the scoop was with them. Right, right. And it just so happened that one of the school board candidates, the only guy that was out there, and I had already talked to a Republican representative and asked, um, who was who was Republican? Who was Democrat running? Because they don't have to um, announce that. Right. And I'll be darned if he didn't lie to me and say he's a Republican. <laughs> we got liars. We got liars. Well, yeah, anyway, but other than that, uh, there's probably about five people ahead. I mean, okay. I didn't have to wait too long. It was pretty smooth and. Appreciate that, Lee. We got to run. We got to run. Real quick, if we're going to go to you on the phone, you guys got to keep it somewhat short so we can get as many calls in. Nigel, we are starting to get the first numbers coming in. Less than 1% recording in the uh, Secretary of State race. uh, Less than 1%. And I'm looking at our news partners, Wish TV here for the source. Uh, Diego Morales is at 65%. Destiny Wells, 31%, and the Libertarian Jeff Maurer, 4%. But, but that's again, 1% reporting? Less than 1%. Okay. And that's from Wish TV. Uh, Tim, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show, Tim. Hey, guys. I wish I had as much to say as Gary, but that's not true. <laughs> uh, I was in Carmel today, voted about 11 o'clock, took me about a half an hour. No, uh, no major shenanigans short of a business card from one of the school board candidates about six feet from the 
entrance to the door. So I'm sure somebody got fired up about that. Yeah, thank but you so much, Tim. It was a good experience overall. Love to hear that. Thank you. And again, shout out to all the folks hitting us up on Twitter. Shout out to the Facebook folks, Instagram, and the YouTube chat. Somebody in the YouTube chat was like, somebody needs to call in and shout out the YouTube chat. You know what? I'll do it. Shout out to the YouTube chat. Thank you. Mark, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Mark, how was your voting experience? Uh, well, it was pretty good, actually. When I went out that way, there was probably about, uh, at the Hancock County Library there, it was about three, probably 300 people. And so uh, it was pretty, a pretty good experience. When when I got done, I made sure when I drove by, I said, uh, um, screw Joe Biden. And everybody yelled back. <laughs> Thank you for cleaning that up. God bless you. Uh, I, was, I was waiting with bated breath. Uh, <laughs> Whenever there's an awkward pause in this show, just know something really good's about to happen. James had his hand over that delay button. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go to Vanessa. Vanessa, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How was your voting experience? Hey guys. Yeah, out here in Greenfield, same thing, Hancock Library. I got there and waited about an hour. And the only thing wow. I saw concerning, which is maybe just regular, and I didn't know, is they were in where it says all the rules for voting. It was talking about having your ID ready, and then it said that if you do not have your ID, you can vote anyway. And they call it a provisional ballot. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that is a correct thing. But when I become the governor, Vanessa, uh, we're going to make sure everybody has an ID. I don't think it's asking too much to have an ID to vote. Thank you for that. John, John, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, John. Rock and roll. How was your electric election day? You know, we actually have the president of the FJB club up here in Logansport. <laughs> I did not know that. Did not know that. Oh. No. Yeah. That's... yeah. <laughs> Are you him? Anyway, uh, in and out, no problems at all. But uh, I'm surprised Diego Morales is up right now because he didn't even know there was a debate. <laughs> That's true. Good point. And again, less than uh, 1%. What debate? Right. I didn't know there was a debate. <laughs> he told Tony Katz. Uh, let's go to uh, Clara. Clara, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tell us about your voting experience. Hi. Um, so I'm 17 years old, and I went with my mom and my brothers. We woke up early, and we went to Thorntown to vote. Oh, hold on. Hold on one second. I'm hearing Wish TV in our feed here. Thank you. I'm sorry, Clara. Go I, ahead. I couldn't hear her. I, I, I think her... Her connections I'm 17, and we went with my mom to vote, and it was a great experience over in Thorntown. We went, and they recognized my mom, Carrie Douglas, with the Boone County Preservation Group, and it was really great. Everyone was respectful, and it was really awesome. I appreciated that kind of experience. Awesome. Love to hear that, Clara. Thank you, and congratulations to your mom. And Dan, we're going to give you the last word here. How was your voting experience? That was very quick and good. Uh, 8.45 this morning. And uh, Oakland Road to the church, five minutes in and out. So I was excited about the, being able to vote for the prosecutor. I was also excited to watch the, uh, the results from all these other states to see if a red wave really will. Yeah. Come. That's really what I'm excited about. Right. Yeah, I'm going to be up. I'm going to be up late tonight, man. Right. And coming up here in about 32 minutes, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Vermont, Virginia, and technically Indiana, those last couple of counties in Indiana that are on a different time zone, those polls all close. All right. When we get the results, we'll pass them on to you. Coming up next, our news director, Chris Davis.
The Hammer and Nigel Show. Can we please just be adults about this? You, an adult, you, you had a Lunchables for dinner last night. 93 WIBC. Hey, my name is Nigel. Hammer's over there. Chris Davis from the WIBC Newsroom, WIBC News Director, joining us live in studio. Before we get to some of these updates, have you ever seen a midterm election or remember a midterm election quite like this? I don't want to use the word chaos or chaotic. Maybe like a carnival atmosphere. Maybe just, I mean, everybody is is going going Like, there's so many personalities. So We've been many, through so many political eras. And yes. this is the wildest I've ever seen. Really? I think for, so, For a yeah. midterm election. Yeah, for a midterm election, because you got accusations already coming out preemptively, you know? And this is uh, this is a fight for our democracy. What does that mean? Like what's happening in, in Arizona? What do you mean? Oh, well, I just mean, uh, you know, people preemptively saying that you know, this could take days. And, uh, okay. Like Pennsylvania, okay. for example. Pennsylvania, Fetterman's yeah. camp is already lawyered up they, and said, hey, we need to make sure that these ballots filled out incorrectly with no date should count so we might not know who went pennsylvania for a while that's against the rules you know right. according to according to the rules in pennsylvania you can't do that um so we're looking at some numbers coming in and again we are so early so early in this process um but the associated press has got some numbers out two percent reporting all of two percent Todd Young at 58% and McDermott at 40%. That's from the Associated Press. Chris, as this night goes on, what time of night do you guys start to normally kind of get a feel of the winners and the losers? Usually, it, and it varies with election, but 7.30 to 8.30 in that era. Oh, really? That early? Yeah, we start to get you know results in. We don't get elections called that early, but we start to get an idea of where they're going. And for, let's say, some of these high-profile Senate races on the national level here, um, state like Pennsylvania, who doesn't close until 8 o'clock, or Arizona, who's out on the West Coast, uh, at what point can we start to see how this thing's going to shape out? Well, you know, I really wish I could answer that, but the <laughs> unpredictability factor is uh, is ever-present. Um, so you're looking at you know, the Fetterman-Oz race. Um, this could go on into the night. What, what races? Tomorrow. What races are out there that m maybe maybe are on your radar that radar that aren't a lot of other people paying attention to? Like I, I'd say this race out in Oregon, this gubernatorial race election in Oregon with the three female candidates, Republican, um, uh, the Democrat, and there was um, uh, she's un, 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 uh, an unaffiliated candidate. I mean, I think that's a pretty big. Oregon hasn't had a Republican. Uh, uh, governor for 40 years and it's neck and neck out there that's crazy and it's also you know a little bit closer than people would expect in new york as well yes uh yeah. in oklahoma which is you know i used to live there and worked at a station in tulsa i was kind of surprised to hear you know of kevin stitch trouble out there of the governor uh when i was there mary fallon was the governor but they've got a a history of republican governors uh two percent reporting and again it's associated press uh victoria sparts at 56.9 percent and janine lake the democrat at 43.1 percent it is defcon one back in the newsroom chris i'm looking through 
through the window here into the newsroom here. Take me through what all of these people are doing throughout the course of the evening here on WIBC. All right. So uh, we're going to be in here. John Herrick is going to be uh, the guy who's going through the numbers. And getting does he think he's the you? boss of everybody back there because he does IU basketball and stuff now? <laughs> does he think he's Mr. Billy nah, Badass? He knows John Chris is, is a boss. natural boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Abdul will be doing, uh, you know, the, the commentary on the side there and some analysis. Uh, I'll be here in the host chair kind of facilitating the whole thing. Then we've got Harrison Silcox, who is our resident social media expert. Uh, we've got Sasha Nixon, who is going to be at the Democratic headquarters. We've got uh, Jaden Arnold, who is going to be with the Libertarians. And then we've got Parker Carlson, who is going to the Republican camp at the JW. So uh, we do have all those things wow. covered tonight. What's considered success for the Libertarians tonight? Is it getting Maurer over 10% or... You know, I don't know. What would you consider success for the Libertarians? Well, I mean, the ultimate success would be to win, right? But uh, you Yeah, know, but let's be honest. Like, I'd like the Colts to win the Super Bowl, Chris, <laughs> but that's not going to happen this year either. Donald Rainwater set the bar, you know, 12%. And mm. I think, you know, if Mara can get over 10, that would be absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, also, you know, that's going to split things up. All attention is probably going to be on the Senate tonight. The House is expected to go Republican. I mean, anything can happen, but it looks like that's going to go Republican. I'm fascinated with some of these governor's races, uh, the gubernatorial races, New York and Michigan, Oregon, Oregon yeah. Arizona. Any of these stick out to you? You know, like I was saying, uh, you know, New York, I, it, it's a little bit surprising uh, to have a candidate, Republican candidate uh, as close as um can't remember the Zeldin. guy's name on the top of my head. Zeldin. Yeah, Zeldin. Yeah, as uh, close as he is at this point. I mean, you think about what New York um, has has been since 9/11. Rudy Giuliani was the Republican mayor of New York. Uh, you haven't really se seen a Republican mayor of the big city since then. Uh, you know, you had Bloomberg, but uh, that was Republican, mm -hmm. maybe a true Republican in name only there. Uh, then you, you know, for the state, I mean, you got a history of the Cuomo's, you know, I mean, you got uh, a history, a recent history that does not point to uh, the likelihood of having a Republican governor. But here we are with the polls. The Senate's going to get the majority of the headlines tonight because it honestly could go either way. But this race in Indiana for that first district up in northern Indiana where you've got Marvin and you've got Jennifer Ruth Green, this has been just such a nasty, gross uh, race campaign. Uh, give us your thoughts on that. Well, somebody, you know, had things exposed that should never have been exposed. And I don't know if that is going to have any impact. I talked to, uh, and this is a Democrat, mind you, I talked to Tom McDermott yesterday, and he says, well, no. you know, Did he I'm make from you pay to listen to his podcast while you were on the phone with him, Chris? <laughs> Did he cuss at you? <laughs> no, none of that. No, he didn't challenge me to a boxing match either. Uh, he did say, you know, I'm from the region and Frank Mervan's got this. The narrative that Frank Mervan is in trouble is just not true. And Frank Frank Mervan is one of those guys who is a constituent-oriented uh, congressman, meaning he kind of does things in a quiet manner in D.C., but back home he's getting the little grants and, and all that kind of stuff. He's making sure East Chicago is, uh, you know, on the way to clean up, that kind of thing. So uh, you got you got to factor in, uh, you know, Jennifer Ruth Green uh, is has not had the opportunity to, I guess, court the people like Frank Mervan has. As a journalist, as you are, as you know, the director for the WIBC newsroom, 
what happened with Ruth Green in, in terms of revealing some some private medical history in Politico? Uh, and the uh, Adam Wren uh, was the uh, author uh, of that article. Is that was that egregious? I mean, was that sort of crossing the line in Should terms of journalism? Should your medical medical records ever be let out into the public? I mean. Uh, you guys talk about your ailments all the time, but that's because we you volunteer. agree to do it. You volunteer. Right. You want to do it. I mean, Jennifer Ruth Green, just because she's a candidate, does it mean that she gets that kind of information, especially as sensitive as that information is? Do you get that kind of information uh, disseminated to the public? I mean, as a as a human being, I would say, God, no. You know? And, and so, I mean, I would say it's egregious, uh, but, uh, you know, the uh, it's it, a lot of people think it's questionable with who took responsibility. And again, we're waiting to get the numbers in. We're just starting to trickle in a few of them here. Again, uh, just two percent reporting in a lot of these races. Uh, Todd Young, fifty three percent. McDermott, forty five percent. We don't have any information on the prosecutor's race or anything like that yet. Chris Davis in the newsroom will keep you up to date on that throughout the night. Uh, Chris, this prosecutor's race here in Marion county listen the democrats have such an advantage in registered voters indianapolis is a blue city marion county is a blue county does cindy carrasco have a chance tonight well that's difficult to say because i was surprised uh walking in my old neighborhood which was a heavy democrat neighborhood they had the pence must go signs and i saw some cindy carrasco signs there really yes that's uh, interesting. Abdul kind of said the same thing earlier. Areas where you don't normally see Republican yard signs, there are a few uh, Cindy Carrasco signs up. In, fr- in the median or in front of homeowners' No, these houses. were in front of houses. Uh, so, I mean, if Cindy Carrasco wins or if Ryan Mears wins, either one, I'm going to ask them to prosecute the fool who put me on this scam call list. <laughs> right? It's been, I mean, it's been unrelenting for days. And today I, I sang the Blazing Saddles theme to them. Uh, I was at home watching Gunsmoke. I pointed the phone to the TV. I said, Are you ever seen that Matt Dillon? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, isn't that Rakita's job? I thought he was supposed to stop all the spam, well, uh, scam robot calls. <laughs> right. Let's give these people the death penalty. That's what I'm saying. All right. One more time. All throughout the night tonight, what can we expect right here on WIBC? Every hour on the hour, you will get the latest updates. Now, uh, you might not be paying too much attention to these races. Hammer and Nigel audience, uh, usually well-informed because you guys are talking about it all the time, but other people might not be so informed, so we got you. We're going to take you through it. And uh, every half hour, we're going to have another update. So uh, in between, you'll get updates on the national races from Fox News. So uh, you've got WIBC to take you through all of it tonight. Local races, national races, we've got you all night. Chris Davis, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 54 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center, Nige. Yes. 3% of the vote in per the Associated Press with Secretary of State on the line, Diego Morales, the Republican leading Democrat Destiny Wells, 49.8 to 46.2 with Jeff Maurer, the Libertarian, getting 4%. 
But again, this is only 3% of sure. the vote. And we're going to keep you updated on local races. We're going to keep you updated nationwide. I think probably overall, the Democrats, it'd be a good thing for them for a red wave. They can get Joe Biden out of there in 2024. And that, uh, and then they could blame the Republicans for the economy here the next couple of years because it is going to be bad. Inflation is still going to be up, even though they caused it. They're going to be able to uh, blame Republicans for the bad economy going into the presidential election. I, I think they definitely want Joe Biden out. So, speaking from a nationwide perspective, it might be good for the Democrats for a red wave. Right, they can get that old man out of the office because he's not very popular. More numbers coming in. We're going to turn it over to our newsroom, Abdul and Company. Keep it right here all through the night. 93 WIBC, the latest numbers, calls, results, national, local. We got you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.